Okay, as we move on our lesson, the second coming, part five, and there will be a part six, <laughs> and probably a seven and eight as well, but um, the introduction to the seven bowls of wrath, I'm just going to read the first couple, 16.1, and I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the seven bowls of wrath of God into the earth. And the first angel went and poured out his bowl into the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. We'll just stop right there. The introduction part is verse 1, a loud voice from the temple. That, I'm confident, was the voice of God himself. Just telling the angels, just go. And why I say that, look at verse 8 of chapter 15. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So he said, go. The seven angels left. It's only one, one person in there, I believe, right there. We're going to see it later, too, where the souls under the altar, we're going to refer to them. I believe they have been removed at this time because remember what we're looking at and reading what we've been that's why it's called the second coming part five all these things are coming in a deluge just it's almost like um, if you were watching a movie and something was happening over here and then you say meanwhile back at the ranch right something's going on over here at the same time that's what we're seeing here Okay, all these things going on, all these, and just uh, this final judgment, you know, that's called plagues that we saw last time, these plagues are actually strokes or hits or, you know, they're just getting pummeled. The world, its, its population is getting pummeled by God for his judgment. And I believe this is the same voice in 1617 where... The seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. Okay? So, here we go. So, this, this all these things are happening. So, as we move through here, we won't get to it this time, but like the, um, uh, uh, the sixth bowl is about Armageddon, and the seventh bowl is uh, about the great city being torn to shreds. Those will be subject studies all by themselves but this is all going on all going on and so the pour out where it says pour out the seven bowls that pour out is uh, is what they call is an <clears throat> an aorist imperative which expresses urgency to which the angels respond by emptying their bowls in rapid succession and it has the effect of piling one plague upon another i mean you see it's, it's not just going to hit you with one back off for a couple of weeks come back no these are just Boom, boom. As a matter of fact, I think it's, they probably happen almost as fast as we can read this. Okay, I think they could be exactly that fast. One, and another, and another, and another, and another. Okay? Um, and it just keeps going until it's over. And then the first bowl, verse 2, we read that. Okay, there's, there, uh, and the first angel went and poured his bowl into the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore upon the, upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. 
Okay, a loathsome sword. That word loathsome, kakos. This word is often used um, of for morally reprehensible evil people. So to give you an idea what that loathsome sore looked like, it describes the, I think a term that uh, has been around a while, the grossness, if you will. These are really putrefying looking things. They're ugly and they're nasty and they're, well, loathsome is a good word. It's just, yuck, <laughs> you know, times 10. Um, and then the word malignant. That is which causes great pain and is incurable. Somebody gets a malignant tumor, that's it. Yeah, it's terminal. And there's no turning back on these. And then the sore, the word sore itself, really speaks of an ulcer or an open sore. See, these things, these things aren't getting any prettier. Okay, It's just ugly stuff. Uh, well, the example that I gave you is in Luke. Let's look at Luke 16. It gives you kind of the picture, if nothing else, the grossness. We won't be eating till the meet and greet, so we got time to let this go by. It's not like you're running right out to breakfast, okay? If you were, you can forget it now. Luke sixteen twenty. Remember the rich man and Lazarus, that the parable, the rich man and Lazarus. And a certain poor man named Lazarus, not the same Lazarus that was uh, raised from there, this is a different fellow, was laid at his gate covered with sores. And longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table, besides even the dogs were coming up and licking his sores. Can you imagine the whole, the unbelieving world is in this condition? Just in a, just in a, a big state of grossness. It's also similar to the Egyptian plague of boils. If you, you can see that. I don't know if we need to turn back there, but Exodus you know, uh, 9. <clears throat> but then the key here, this, this, these sores are from Revelation, it says, upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. Again, all these plagues are targeted to those that bought into the satanic system, and rejected the gospel. And the gospel was out there, and they chose to reject it. Uh, look at fourteen, Revelation 14, 9 to 11. See, so again, the warnings have been out there, um, and... Matter of fact, we're going to come, I'll see the in 14, verse 6 says, remember the angel that, that flew through heaven with the gospel? Verse 6 says, and I saw another angel flying in the mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. Everybody. I mean, that right there. Everybody alive on the earth at this time will hear the gospel. It's going to happen. And verse 9, now move forward to verse 9 of Revelation 14. And another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, 
He also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of his holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So there you go. The warnings have been out there. Again, remember you have, we've got, we'll have the the 144,000 are out there preaching the message. The two witnesses for three and a half years will be preaching the message and the world will hate it so much. Remember what happened to them when they when God finally allowed them to be killed? They declared a holiday. They exchanged presents. It's like a mock Christmas almost, like, you know, happy dead witnesses day here. <laughs> you know, it just I mean, it's just it's a, I mean, that's how much they rejected and hated the word, the gospel. I mean, that's you know the world's the same today <laughs> in terms of their rejection of the truth. It's hard that I can't confirm that, but it was loud. I tell you, one thing I can confirm is the fact that that angel that flew over, they did hear that because it specifically says he spoke to every tribe, tongue, nation. Okay, that was perfectly clear. Whether the entire earth heard this proclamation, I don't know. But it was loud, and for the sake of... just to let us know, they, they, it came out. It's a, it's a pronunciation. It's a pronouncement. Maybe only the, uh, I don't know. I can't tell you for sure. I just, it just doesn't give us enough information. If they had responded in faith, God would have honored that. My thought is, based upon the context of this, no one did. The, the believers... Uh, you know, I mean, the saints and the un- the saints and the ain'ts have been identified, and here's the judgment right. on those that reject. So I wonder why God was graciously sending a last call. Well, that angel flying around was last call. Yes. Don't know if anybody responded. We're not told that, but that was it. And now uh, the verdict is in, and we saw that uh, back there where he says, you know, those that. Um, that when that in back in fourteen nine where it said uh, that angel says if anyone worships the beast <coughs> receives the mark you're going to get it well now they're getting it see now you know it's yeah see this is it see we're talking about Jesus is re- is coming in I mean he's he's coming in it's it's right there I mean we're talking we could we can calculate this in hours. It's almost like, you know, when Jesus was at the Last Supper, he was hours away from the cross. Here we are, these judgments. He's hours away now from coming back. I mean, it's just right there. Maybe minutes. I mean, it's hard to calculate something that hasn't happened. <laughs> but it's just, it's described to us as bang, bang, bang. Here it comes. I thinking it's to, one reason, if nothing else, we're going to see this as we move down through here, it's to... Uh, point out their guilt their guilt because we're going to see when these judgments hit we get into a couple uh, bowls down the road here we're going to see where they start instead of even thinking about repenting they start cursing God blaspheming God and I think this is just demonstrating that these people are gone they're far gone they're not coming back they're just—I believe it's a—it's a—it's more of a judgment pronouncement than it is an invitation to salvation. 
Once that, I think that angel was it. That was it. Because everything else, it's like, it's a pronouncement of guilty, 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 guilty. Yeah, and I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but uh, when we get into the bowls, when they start cursing God, blaspheming God, we're getting a little glimpse of they will actually, in my opinion, they will be in hell blaspheming God for eternity. And because uh, there's no redemption in hell, it's forever. And there's not going to be any sudden change of heart. No, no. <laughs> yeah, the Catholics are even kind of. No, they're going to they're they're going to keep that one. That one's a money maker. <laughs> but that's another issue. <laughs> All the more reason to make sure that we're giving the gospel to those. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, the. Uh, Second bowl of wrath, verses 4 through 7. And here we get some more information. <clears throat> and we'll start, it'll start clearing up some of the thoughts like, gee, you know, because, uh, you know, yeah, well, let's, let me just get into it. I had a cold early this week, too, so that's why I'm a little uh, disjointed. That's, uh, that's the reason. I mean, anyways, it's like more than usual. Anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So. <laughs> And bless you. And the third and the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of waters, and they became blood. Whoop. I need number three, verse three. The second angel what had to do with water? The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became blood, like like of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. Wow. I mean, blood like that of a dead man. Well, that's coagulated blood in the decaying process, having a foul odor. If you ever been around blood of a dead man, it has. Uh, yes, it's that's. I don't need to go any further. And it basically just turned the oceans toxic. So I mean, everything in the sea is dead, and I just listen. You know, fish, marine mammals, reptiles, uh, marine vegetation, invertebrates, etc. If it had life and it lived in and around the ocean, it's dead. It's gone, and so you're going to have a lot of things floating up to the surface, and it's going to be ugly on top of everything else. Look at Revelation. Let's back back up a little bit. The Revelation chapter eight, and this should answer a few more questions also. Revelation 8, 8 to 9. Here's we're back into the trumpet judgments. It says, And the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. Okay, this is not the same judgment. This is a previous judgment. It happened earlier on. Okay? And on and on and on. These are all warning shots. And again, these things happened, and you had people out there like the 144, like the two witnesses. Who, by the way, the two witnesses had the power to cause water to turn to blood in, in, a, in a localized 
way, okay? So the message is out there. These, and, and I know that they're saying worse judgments are coming. Repent, repent, repent. Think of Noah, right? Noah, 120 years, building the ark. We aren't given the information in Genesis, but Peter said of Noah, he was a preacher of righteousness. So as he's putting that ark together, he's saying, hey, folks, judgment is coming. Repent, repent, repent. And they says, we won't, we won't, we won't. And it's the same. And so what happened? The entire earth, save eight people, died. So we have a very similar situation here. Okay? Um, and God's people are out of these judges. They're pulled off to the side. Those that are going to live through it, and we know some do, they're pulled off and they're spared all of this. They're in a safe place. Okay? Those that died, obviously, are in a, still, them too, are in a safe place. And now we come to the third bowl of wrath. That, now we're at verse 4. And the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. Okay, same thing's going to happen. And you're talking, all right, let me just keep reading. I heard the angel of the water, the angel of the water saying, righteous, or, I'm going to stop. I'm going to just deal with verse 4 first. The rivers and springs of water became blood. In other words, all fresh water supply was now also toxic. All fresh water. Rivers and, hey, I'm on my own well. Ah, got the springs too. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, um, that won't help. The fresh water polluted. And then, I, again, Revelation 8, 10 to 11. Back to, this happened before too. Again, in the uh, back to the trumpet judgment in chapter 8, verse 10, 11, third angel sounded and a great star fell out of the heaven, burning like a torch and filled the third part of the rivers and of the springs of the waters. And the name of the stars called Wormwood and a third of the waters became Wormwood and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. Again, toxic, <coughs> poisonous. Think of a world now. No water. No fresh water. Just move it to our... Our day and age. All right, you may have a couple of bottles of bottled water in the fridge. How long is that going to last? The stuff coming into the house is polluted, bad, filthy. All natural water, too. All gone. All gone. Yeah, all fresh water. All Good. And the, the seawater is polluted, so <laughs> forget desalination. <laughs> that isn't going to work either. I mean, you're, you're out. You're out. And I believe this is such a harsh judgment that we are reminded they are sent from a righteous and holy God. This is not a mean, nasty, ornery, ugly <laughs> God. This is all coming from, look at, again, now let's look at 16, 5 through 7. Revelation 16, 5 through 7 makes this perfectly clear. Because I can see this, could, this can take people back. So God would do, yeah, yeah, God is going to do that. Okay, God is going to do that. And those first trumpet judgments were warning shots. And all the evangelists that were out there are telling people, you better repent, you better repent. Well, let's look at verse 5. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, interesting, the angel of the waters saying, Righteous are you who are and who was, O Holy One, because you did judge these things. I'm going to stop right there, that verse 5. Righteous. Um, Doxadzo. Does that sound familiar? 
It's from the root word dog, so we get our word doxology. Remember that one? We used, there used to be, a, there's a song called doxology. You know, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Yeah, the doxology. It means praise God. refers to God as one worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. Not condemnation. Not second guesses. But God is, God is moving these judgments out from a position of holiness and righteousness. We've got, we have to think that. God is judging sin. And when it says, you who are and who was, in, in verse 5, that refers to Christ himself, I believe. Let's look at Revelation 11. Revelation 11, 15 through 17. <clears throat> and the seventh angel sounded, and there, were, rose a loud, there rose loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on the throne before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to thee, O Lord God the Almighty, who, who are and who was, because you have taken the great power and have begun to reign. And who is the one that's going to reign and begin to reign? Christ himself. Okay, so I believe this is in Christ. And... Um, I didn't put them here, but in, in the Gospel of John, uh, was Christ was, it was spoken of Christ not only having the power of uh, forgiving sins and resurrection, but also the power of, and the authority to judge. And here he is. Uh, and it's all over, uh, especially the Gospel of John. Um, again, the Holy One, called a one O Holy One. Judgment is based on his holiness. Therefore, his judgment is, in fact, a righteous act okay it is a righteous act it would be unrighteous for a holy god not to judge sin see that's the point and it's, it's a huge point and people don't get it. you know you look through a do a in an in-depth study anyway of the attributes of god wrath will be on that list most superficial studies on, the, on that subject, the wrath is not there. Okay? But wrath is every bit as much an attribute of God as love is. And especially long-suffering. I mean, you think about it. You put holiness, wrath, long-suffering. I mean, God is a total package. But people... Very often say, oh, God is love, and that's the only, it's like it's the only attribute he's got. Well, he's got that one, believe me. As believers, we've all felt that one. Okay, we've, big time. And thank you, Lord, we're not going to feel the wrath. But the king felt it for us. Okay, so that's why. But, and we, I won't turn there because of time, but uh, Revelation 5, 9 13 right at the very beginning of all this you know when it when the uh it's first talking about you know who can open the seven seals who who can break the seal and open them up one can the lion from the tribe of judah why because he is holy and righteous and he paid the price for the saints with his blood that's a uh, loose translation now no well the fact that the book we're reading this revelation was written over 19 centuries ago 
There is ample warning out there. There's, here's 19 centuries of warning just in this one book. You know, not to mention the Old Testament, you know. Add another couple of thousand years. I mean, it's just the warnings have been there over and over and over again. Uh, uh, mankind is without excuse. You know, mankind is without excuse. And then Revelation 16.6 6 gives us the reason for such a severe judgment. 16.6 6 says, oh, let me just go back at verse 5, pick up the context again. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous are you who are and who was, O Holy One, because you did judge these things. Why? For they, those are the people being judged, for they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. And look at that last sentence. They deserve it. Wow. They deserve it. That's a, that's a pop right between the eyes, isn't it? They deserve it. And that's a message right out of heaven, spoken by to whoever wants to listen, by an angel. They deserve it. So how can God be so mean? He's not being mean. He's executing justice. Why? Because they deserve it. Why do people go to hell? They deserve it. We do too. But by His grace, we're spared. Again, for they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets. I mean, we can see that throughout history, and we're going to see how that, when we get into talking about Babylon, that'll become a big, a lot of history comes into that. But um, I'll tell you, it, um, it it's something. It, it's just, it's even, it's breathtaking. Um, look at Revelation 6, 9 to 11. I mean, just examples, and, and it's, this judgment is, is, is on these folks that are alive on the earth. But Revelation 6, 9 to 11, we're back in the seals again, which kind of introduces all these various judgments and the warnings that were, were, would come with them. And when he broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath, underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain, because of the word of God, because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Well, see, right there, and then it was given them white robes. They were told, just, just you know, paraphrase, just hang loose for a while, guys. Just be all right. And so... How long? Well, here's the answer to that question. How long? And here it comes. Um, And it's not so much a thing of, you know, payback, you know. It can be a real barn burner. No. This is a matter of, again, the the souls under the altar were, were calling out, how long until true justice is done? And then that term that keeps, and we already talked about the uh, the two witnesses. They were eventually killed and left in the streets to rot, basically. 
then God resurrected them and gave them a little mini two-man rapture. Right? <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> you know, can you? I don't know. I, I'm hoping we're we're up in heaven when they come in. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to be, but I mean, you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, also in 17.6, it talks about a, a topic we'll be moving into soon. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. Well, I do too. We'll be studying that down the road. But again, it's just that they're just, they set themselves up for it by going the way they did. And here's our Bible quiz of the day. Everybody, let's find Obadiah. They deserve it. Compare that with Obadiah. Little Old Testament prophet. He's the the little guy in the... uh, (laughs) He's the little one. Obadiah versus... uh, What do I have down there? 16 and 17? Okay, Obadiah, 15 and 16. See, he doesn't even, there's only one chapter, so. And here again, here's a, it's kind of like the Obadiah, you can call what's happening in Revelation, the, the Obadiah principle as well. For the day of the Lord draws near on all nations, and you have done it, <clears throat> and you have done it, will be done to you. And, and you have done, it will be, as you have done, it will be done to you. Your dwellings will return on your, on your own head. Because just as you drank on the holy mountain, all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and swallow and become as, as if they had never existed. Now, this was speaking of the judgment that was coming on Edom, but that principle is being carried through. That principle is throughout Scripture. Okay? And now that principle is being, is again, carried through here. You know? The judgment, it's, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. And that's why, remember, we're, the scriptures tell us in a couple of places, uh, you know, don't worry about getting retribution. The Lord says, judgment is mine. I will repay. And he can do it far better than we can. Okay? And with much more meaning because it's coming from him, not just a vengeful person. Okay, so let her go. And then now, verses, Revelation 6, um, where it says here, the altar itself, and I, it says here, where, and I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. The, the altar itself repeats the message of the angel of the water. Isn't that interesting? The altar speaks. Well, we've already determined the souls are no longer there, or if they were, they would have said so. You know, inanimate object speaking is not impossible for God. Look at Luke 19. Well, that's a that's a, a living thing. It's not inanimate, but that's also a kind of a funny story when you think about it. <laughs> Who's the real burrow there, huh? <laughs> Luke 9 and 40. 
Remember, he's answering his critics, remember, at the triumphal entry? And he was the Pharisees were rebuking him, says, and he tell them, tell your disciples not to be saying stuff like that. And then he answered them and said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. So that possibility of inanimate objects speaking is always there with God. And this could be one of those up here. I kind of think it is. The altar itself was echoing the message of the angel of water. And um, I, don't know, I think it's kind of cool. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I have no problem with that. I really don't. You know, you know I mean... Remember what the Lord said to Sarah? Hey, with God, nothing is impossible. It's it's all it's all open. <laughs> it's all it can happen. It can happen. I don't. I really don't. Have, it doesn't stretch my faith at all to accept that. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's an actual debt or a hyperbole, but yeah, yeah it's a, it's it's the same idea though. You know, it it can it can happen. It just anyway. The fifth bowl, sixteen ten to eleven. And this is where we end this morning. <clears throat> and the fifth bowl poured out, the fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened. And another, another lovely sight. And they gnawed their tongues. Whoops, time out. Fourth angel. Hang on. The fourth angel, verse 8 poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has the power of these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give him glory. Okay, here we go. The fourth one, scorched with fire. Men, anthropos, refers to all of mankind, not just men and the lady skate. Nope, it's... All members of the human race, they blaspheme the name of God who has the power over these plagues. In other words, that tells us right there they knew from whom these plagues were coming. They knew it. They've always known. We can go back to Revelation 6. They knew then too. They did not repent. And they here, they did not repent so as to give him the glory. Remember back, uh, the angel flying around says, You better repent. And give glory to God. And of course they didn't. Here they, see, still not. With everything going, they're, I, I believe they're in that, uh, they're in that position of uh, being given up. Being given up. Yeah. Yeah, you want global warming? You got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I could go on with that one. Anyway, <laughs> please don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> so much nonsense in this world that the scripture has answers to, you know. Now the fifth bowl of wrath. Verses 10 and 11. And the fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. In. Nothing's changed. It's, it, I believe it can't change. It's, it just, to the, at, everybody out there is at the point of no return. I, I mean, it's just perfectly obvious to me. Um, it's, it's that close to the second coming. They, they, everybody's made their decision. The decisions have been, they're in. 
Um, the votes are in. No hidden ballots. The votes are in. <laughs> okay, here we go again. His kingdom will be darkened. And this will be, well, we know from Revelation 13, 7 through 8, we won't turn there, that his kingdom is a worldwide kingdom. Now we know that, well, what about those other kings? Well, we'll deal with them later. But yeah, there's other kings that are involved in his kingdom. But it's actually a worldwide kingdom. It's not that every single square mile of the world is under his direct rule, but his influence is out there, and these judgments are going out the same distance. Okay, because it's going to reach all the unsaved that live throughout the earth. But this one's pointed at him, specifically. And the plague of darkness, again, is much like the plague of darkness over Egypt. And we won't turn there either, but it, Exodus, well, actually, actually we need to. Exodus ten eleven. if I can get it, there's a term in there that's important to us. I'm looking here for actually one word, um, 1021, she says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. Isn't that interesting? A darkness that may be felt. I believe this is what we have here. We have a darkness that is causing them pain. And it's not just the pain of the previous... uh, Judgments, because that's going to get mentioned in the next verse. But this darkness itself somehow caused them pain. And we're not told exactly how. <clears throat> it's interesting, the, uh, the Greek word here for pain is the same one translated malignant in 16.2. So it's an incurable pain, extreme pain. And then it goes on, verse 11. And they blasphemed the God of heaven. Again, by using the term God of heaven makes it perfectly clear that they will know from whom these plagues are coming. And uh, it just again, they just, they just keep cursing God, cursing God, cursing God. God of heaven. And verses 16-9 says, All men were scorched with the heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And then here it says, he calls then the term God of heaven is used. And uh, again, it makes it perfectly clear, even to us the readers, where these things are coming from. Okay? It's just not some make-believe God. It's the, it's the God of heaven. Now, why did they blaspheme God? Well, because of their pains and their sores. And here again, it's the, that accumulative effect of these pains just being piled one on top of another, on top of another. Can you imagine having those disgusting open sores and the seas are putrid, no drinking water, so you can't clean yourself up, and then you get scorched with fire, and now it's pitch black, and it's so thick, the darkness is so thick and heavy, that causes you pain. I don't know if it's mental pain or what, but it's pain. And their response is a blaspheme the God of heaven, which which I again, I'm going to repeat, is what these people will be doing for eternity. They will be blaspheming the God of heaven. And they did not repent of their deeds. And I just put a little note at the bottom. 
It says, you know, unbelief is just a powerful, blinding force. It's extremely powerful. Two, two good examples. Let's look at Matthew and Luke, and we'll be right on time. How you, what do you know? Matthew 23, 37. And he gives it shows you the heart of the... This is Jesus speaking, so it shows you the heart of, of the heart of the one putting these judgments out there. Matthew 23, again, um, this comes on the heels of... Um, and this kind of sets the context for this thing. Remember, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, and it keeps going. And then, he, then it, Matthew rolls us right into this. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. And it goes on to say, Behold, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, from now on, you shall not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, they, the nation had their shot. They saw Messiah face to face. And national Israel rejected. Remember what it said in John, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Okay. Then Luke 16, back to the rich man and Lazarus. And this is uh, such truth. 1627 to 31. Remember, the rich man was begging. The scene is the rich man speaking to Father Abraham. You know, hey, and so in the conversation, he goes, pick up at verse 27. He said to him, I beg you, Father, that's Father Abraham, that you send to to him, my father, send him, that's Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Okay? Wow. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Isn't that the truth? Messiah rose from the dead. He's rejected today as much as he ever was. And will be to the end, all the way to the end, as we just read. Rather than repenting, they will curse him. Well, they'll, be, they'll be dropping like flies, so to speak. They're just, they'll be dead bodies all over the place. Yeah, no question, no question. Yeah, that's what I mean. It has to be rapid fire. I mean, the first couple would, I mean... As soon as the fresh water supply is gone, it's, we're talking a matter of days now. Yeah. Yeah. Man can't survive without water very long. Yeah. So, and especially, you know, can you imagine having no water? Then you get the sun scorching. That could probably suck up whatever little thing you might, you know, from now. An army can still be gathered and, and fight them, which is... It's interesting. It, God's working it all out. It's all happening at once. I think, let's put it this way. I think the army is going to be showing up thirsty. I think the army will be showing up to Armageddon thirsty. <laughs> of course, they might have something in their canteens. Who knows? But anyway, let's close in prayer. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we again, Lord, we give you praise and honor for being a righteous and holy God. And we give thanksgiving to you for calling us out of that situation and 
opening our eyes to the truth. And again, Lord, may be wor- may be worthy of your calling. In Jesus' name, amen.